Are you flexing your discipline muscle to be successful in supply chain? Find out why you should be and to hear more about the journey to success of my Woman in Supply Chain series, part 17, with Denise McDonald, the CTO at Flash Global. Her story is full of inspiration, risk, and making sure that you keep asking questions. You can find that episode at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 57. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey. And each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder, has to say. How long does it take you to get a duty rate or guidance on the right HS classification from your current customs broker? With Border Buddy's new revolutionary self-service technology, you will never go traditional again. We have created a platform that allows you to get instant quotes on duties, taxes, and customs fees to import your products into North America. To get 10% off your first clearance, sign up at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Our community is growing and together we are making changes in the industry. More women are being recognized globally in supply chain and we are having important conversations about the future and how to collaborate. Today I'm speaking with a company who is shining light in the dark supply chain spaces and helping with the challenge of visibility. But first, let's get to the listener's corner question of the week. This one is, what would you like to hear more of or learn more from women in supply chain? I put together that question because I wanted to know from you what else you want to know from women in supply chain. And we got the conversation started over on LinkedIn at the Let's Talk Supply Chain page, Clarcia Christie. Sarah, I've been hearing a lot about the use of blockchain technology in logistics and supply chains. And I would like to know how much women are aware of technologies and other innovations that are available to make their operations more seamless. Max Sullivan, He said he would be interested to hear more about their career-making decision process back when they were 20. Audrey Ross, how do they maintain teammates' management trust when dealing with issues that are out of their control? Tamara Nay Smart Abbey would like to know how they juggle their time between family and work. Also, what are some of their major challenges and how have they overcome them? Lori Harner and Ruthie agreed with Lori on this one. Hello, I would like to hear more about what challenges women in supply chain are facing around workforce constraints constraints in the warehouse. Um, over on Twitter, Mirai Logistics, they came into the conversation and said programs in supply chain logistics that will give women an edge to climb to C-level or management positions. Logistics is a career option and they're not even introduced to youth in general. Never mind women. Let's put it in the forefront. And over on Instagram, what are the best designations from CK458? Preeti NAA said, what have some of the challenges these women in supply chain regularly encounter? And Nozuko from 
South Africa. She emailed me to said, what an interesting topic for me. I'd like to hear about the challenges other women face just to have a global perspective. Well, thank you so much for everybody who participated in the conversation. Remember to send me your questions at listener at letstalksupplychain.com and be a part of the conversation every single Wednesday on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, just a reminder that I have added the blog to the site, recognizing more women in supply chain and other thought leaders. Plus, go and subscribe to my new YouTube channel called The SC for videos featuring actionable items on the industry's hottest topics, plus mentorship conversations and conversations between trade experts. So let's get back to today's show. Joining me today is Robert Garrison, CEO of Mercado Labs, a leading innovator in supply chain platforms. Their platform has been designed by international trade experts and speaks fluent import. So you can get back to your daily job. But before we learn more from Robert himself, let's find out a little bit more about him. Robert Garrison is a highly accomplished global supply chain executive with extensive experience providing strategic vision and leadership to SMBs and Fortune 500 companies. He has an impressive history of building agile technology-enabled supply chains. Robert has a long record of forging high-growth partnerships, positioning organizations for success, and launching innovative technology solutions that significantly improve end-to-end supply chain efficiencies. Among Robert's most notable achievements, he has created and executed lean retail supply chains for major shippers such as AutoZone, Michaels, and Five Below, and has earned lead his companies to service awards from Walmart, Hewlett Packard, and Apple for excellence in global operations management, quality assurance, and continuous improvement. So welcome to the show, Rob. Well, Sarah, thank you very much. It's great to meet you, and I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Well, as someone who is venturing into the online platform space myself, I am really looking forward to having you on the show and talking about why this space is so important to supply chain. But first, why don't you tell us about Mercado Labs? You know, where did the name come from? What is the brand? What exactly do you do? Yeah, so uh, great question, um, and thanks for pronouncing it correctly, uh, by the way, Mercado. Mercado is Spanish for marketplace, and basically what Mercado does is we create a marketplace for international trade, so it's exactly what we do. It's perfectly descriptive, and so just a little context, there's about 100,000 importers in North America, and each of them have an average of 10 suppliers and three providers, service providers, like a forwarder, inspection company, et cetera. So at present, there's no marketplace for all these buyers and sellers to connect. And so we built Mercado to address that. Awesome. Awesome. And I think that you have a bit of an analogy when it comes to, you know, how this business works and and the taxi industry. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it may seem like a strange analogy, but I'll just start by saying the first time I stepped into an Uber, I thought it was a uh, sort of a magical carpet ride. Um, I, I spent a lot of time in New York City and lived there for a few years. So I remember well having to stand in the middle of 42nd Street and try to beat out 10 other people to get a taxi to stop for me. <laughs> so uh, Uber was like this magical experience. And so I want to use the Uber analogy because if you think about uh, the taxi industry, 
before Uber, you could certainly get a car like I described. You could stand out, get a car, hail a car, go to a taxi stand and get a car. Um, But there was a lot of inefficiencies in that process. And so when Uber came along, they addressed more than just your ability to get a car. So, for example, with Uber, now you know where your car is. You know exactly where it is and exactly when it's going to be there. You also know the profile of your driver. So you can see how many rides they've given and how many stars they've gotten. You know their name. You can start a conversation if you want to, but you know who's picking you up. When you get in the car, you know exactly that he knows where he's going. You can see the Uber navigation application. So you know that this driver knows exactly how to get you where you're going. In New York City, I never knew. And then I hate to disparage the taxi industry, but sometimes they literally took me for a ride. And with Uber, that's not possible. I also know what my price is ahead of time. So I know exactly what it's going to cost me to get from point A to point B. And I never knew that in a taxi. I just had to watch that meter tick. And payment is painless. I just basically get out of the Uber and I go on about my way. And more examples like that. And so the analogy I like to make is that the international supply chain is much like the taxi industry. There's there's certainly you can get it done and there's tools to get it done. And people have been getting it done for hundreds, if not thousands of years. But the tools that they're using are, are things like Excel and email. And so similar to the taxi industry, it works. It's just not highly efficient. So with technology, you can replicate all those things that Uber brings. People can know what their trip plan is and they can know who their driver, in my case, supplier is, and they can navigate easily and they can pay easily and all those things. So it's, it's a wonderful opportunity now to leverage what Uber has done for the taxi industry and bring that technology into the uh, supply chain industry. Absolutely. And it's it's a great analogy, especially with all of these online platforms coming out, right? There's, there's, you know, some already on the market, there's obviously new ones coming up every single day. And you bring up a really good point, because I think that the industry needs to be more efficient, we need to embrace this new innovation. And, you know, one might not be right for one company, but the other one might be and to take a look at how that's going to you know, change your supply chain, change your business, change the mindset of your customer of how they look at you and how you're looking at supply chain to make their life easier as well. So one of the things that I, when I was doing my research for this interview, I, you know, took a look at your website and I was, I was, you know, reading up on who you are. And one of the things that you guys talk about is about bringing light to dark spots of supply chain, which I thought was... No, very, very interesting. So can you explain that to us? And what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right. That's exactly what um, a great thank you for doing the research, by the way. But that's exactly how I feel about it. You, you have to remember, especially in, in the platform that I build, which connects buyers and sellers, that when you're buying products from someone who lives 8,000 miles away, uh, comes from a completely different culture, speaks a different language, it's, it's almost impossible to gain full transparency to what's happening over there. And, and people try, you know, they take a couple trips over a year, but it's not the same. I mean, you're, you're not actually knowing what's happening on a day-to-day basis with your factories or your products or et cetera. So what we do is we use technology to shine lights into those dark corners so that the buyer can fully understand what's happening 8,000 miles away at all times. So the three carriers, three carriers we focus on uh, there, Sarah, that, that are important, I think, to importers. Uh, the first one is what we call social transparency. So you want to make sure that you're doing uh, business with people who are on the up and up and they're not employing kids and they're not polluting the environment to the extent that you can know that you're doing business with people that uh, have good social standards in mind 
that's important. And so that's one area that we shine bright lights on. And then the second one is supply chain. And so you want to make sure that they understand what's required for you to flow your goods. So do they apply the barcode labels properly? Do they pack your contents right in the boxes? Do they make your products the exact way you specified them? So we shine bright lights there too to make sure that your your products and your supply chain are intact. And then the last one is really important as well, which is regulatory transparency. Um, you know, you're you're doing business out of a country, and so you got to be compliant with all the regulations in China or Malaysia or wherever you're buying from. And then you're entering into another country of commerce, whether it's uh, you know Germany or Canada or the USA. So transparency to all those regulatory requirements and making sure that you and your supplier are in compliance with those. So up until recently, it was very, very difficult to get transparency to all those things. With modern technology, it's relatively easy. So we can deploy things like mobile and video and multimedia and milestones. There's all kinds of tools now that we can put into place to make sure that all of those dark corners are exposed and that you're doing not only the right thing, but the most efficient thing to save uh, money and to possibly save some big hassles if you're not in compliance with social or regulatory. Yeah, and I think the regulatory component um, is is a really big deal because a lot of enterprise companies, they have the means to have departments, you know, take a look at the regulatory component, make sure they're in compliance. But when you look at the small to mid market, they not they don't necessarily have those types of resources. And at that point, the regulatory and the compliance become um, you know, a really, really big deal. I mean, I had Richard Bystrong on an episode, uh, you know, of, I think mid, mid year last year. And he was talking about bribes and how he went to jail for bribes and different things like that. And so <laughs> okay. I think, I think, I mean, that takes it to a bit of the extreme, but when you're dealing with these different com- countries, you need to know what's going to be asked of you and you need to know the regulatory compliance. Um, issues with that. And you need to know what is your responsibility as well. And I think that that's really, really important to have somebody like you be able to help the mid-market, the small to mid-market companies with that. Sarah, couldn't agree more. And I, I, I have to say, though, I would also argue the big guys struggle with it too. They, I agree with you that they understand it way better than most and have specialists on their teams that focus on this night and day. However, they're also not over there. So, you know, I've always thought that the best place to ensure compliance is at the beginning of the process, not at the end. And so if you can do things to make sure that your documents are accurate on the front end and that there's there's uh, commercial invoices matching the purchase orders, if you can do all those things on the front end in compliance with what you know you need as a big importer, you can make your process much more reliable and much more efficient. And I also want to point out just to to your point that the other thing that I think is important here is it's not just a one-way street. I also talk to a lot of suppliers overseas, and they have similar issues of trying to understand what the buyers need because they've got the same challenges. They're also 8,000 miles away and speaking in a foreign language. And so it has to be a two-way street. You also want to put tools in place that make it easier for your suppliers to do business with you. So it's both sides. That is a great point and something that I didn't even really consider. You know, I always look at it from an importer standpoint because that's kind of, you know, where my background has been, you know, in freight forwarding and logistics and things like that. But you're absolutely right. I mean, they're coming from a completely different uh, point of view. They're coming from a completely different um, culture. 
And they have, and you want to be able to make it easier for everybody. I mean, that's, you know, my biggest thing is about collaboration and how can we work better together instead of having that blame game, you know, that traditional blame game that we always had, Oh yeah, you know, shipper's fault. No, it's the importer's fault. (laughs) No, it's the insurance company's fault. No, blame the forwarder. Blame the forwarder. Blame the forwarder. (laughs) Yes, I forgot about that one. But I think that it's platforms like yours, um, that is, you know, like you said, shining a light in those dark spots um, and bringing that awareness, you know, back to the importer. As much as you do on this side, regulatory and compliance, um, it's really important that you make sure that your shipper is on board and has the tools, like you said, um, to be able to help you help or help them help you. Yeah, and let me give so, you just a small example to your point, Sarah, because I think you're, again, I think you're spot on. It, you know, I saw recently a set of regulatory requirements that a big importer sent to their supplier. And, you know, obviously I speak fluent English and I'm pretty familiar with the trade, but I had a hard time getting through that document. It was 12 pages long. It was a Word document and it was very, very technical. So if you put yourself in the, in the shoes of the supplier who has to, to meet those things on the, on the front end, think about how difficult it is for them. So why not translate that document into their native language? Why not embed some media so they can actually see what you're talking about? You know, in in today's day and age, you've got a whole host of technical tools to help you describe things better, to help you communicate in a native language, to help you do things better. And yet I'm still seeing people deploy, uh, you know, Word and PDF documents written from the the U.S. perspective. And it to me seems unreasonable uh, to ask a factory in mainland China or in Vietnam to understand all of that complexity. So let's make it easier for them. Absolutely. Just remember, we're all in international trade, right? right. right. So the international, the global point is is the the point here. It's a pitch and a catch. It's a pitch and a catch. (laughs) So what part of supply chain, you mentioned supply chain, um, and you're shining light in dark spots of supply chain, but what part specifically of supply chain are you focusing on other than the regulatory and compliance? Uh, Yeah, great question. So what I would say is we supply the technology to allow our customers to optimize their international supply chain. So our, so in summary, our focus is on the international supply chain. So we're not trying to optimize pieces of it. We're not focused on domestic. We're looking at the international supply chain. And, and let me just define that a, a little bit. We have three applications, and the first one is source. And for those of you who haven't sourced, or those of your listeners who haven't sourced, it's incredibly complicated. Finding vendor, vendors, vetting them, going through a price negotiation, it's very, very difficult. And then depending on the size of your company, going through the approval and onboarding process. So we built an application that makes that process a lot easier. And then the next piece you have to go through as an importer is the ordering process. So from the time you place a purchase order until it's produced and ready to book with a forwarder is, is on average about three months. Well, what's happening during that three months? How do you stay connected and know where they're at in manufacturing and how the products are out turning and has it been inspected? All of those activities that occur in those 90 days, uh, we built an application to address that. It's called order. And then last but not least is the ship module that we have. And that takes place from when the forwarder receives the booking from the supplier until it's delivered. And so the combination of those three applications is essentially uh, what we focus on. So from source to deliver uh, would summarize it. 
Awesome. That was a great summary. Can you give us a little bit of a real life example of how you have helped a customer? And the reason why I asked this question is because I always think because this is an audio interview, it's really great to paint that picture and give the audience and the listeners that visual of how exactly your platform has helped somebody like them. Yeah, thanks for that opportunity. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a non-traditional example just to, to kind of let everybody wrap their heads around what, what can be done if you if if you focus on the whole supply chain versus pieces of it. So we have a customer that's a uh, flooring importer and almost every week they have stuff arrive in their distribution center. That's not right. And it could be just a little bit, not right, or it can be a lot, uh, not right. So I'm going to give you two examples of one it being a little bit, not right. And what problems that causes. And one is it's a big, not right. And what that causes. So the first example was um, they import marble, which is very heavy and they have a special way to put it away inside their DC. So they sent their supplier a pallet of, uh, or a container, sorry, of four-way pallets. And instead of the supplier loading it on those four-way pallets, they loaded it on two-way pallets and they put the pallets into the container sideways. So when it arrived in, uh, in this case, California, they had to pull it out of the container with chains. Then they had to have a small crane lift the marble, very heavy stuff off and put it onto the right type of pallets and put it away. So a small thing, loading it on the wrong type of pallets, but leading to a big problem, almost six hours of time to get it right. So that's on the small end. Then you go to the big end, um, a couple couple quick examples. One is they you know, make boxes of flooring for you to install in your home, and the supplier put the wrong instructions inside the boxes. So people got the flooring home, and it didn't instruct them properly on how to install the floors, which leading to a lot of complaints. And then the third quick example was their flooring was uh, a special kind of flooring. They ordered a big quantity of it. I won't tell you how much, but, uh, but tens of thousands of dollars worth. And it came in and it was the wrong color. So you can imagine if you can shine a light on those dark corners and you can understand things like that and you can see the product before it's loaded and you can inspect the instructions or see the instructions being loaded in there or you can put candle lights on the flooring to make sure it's the right color and manage all of those things before it ever gets into a container, let alone on a boat, um, how much more efficient you can be on this end. So that's just a few examples, sort of non-traditional. There's lots that I could give, but hopefully those are, are colorful and illustrative enough uh, to answer your question. Yeah, those are great examples. And, you know, the money that it will save. I mean, you talked about the time um, it took to have to unload that container. But at the same time, it also costs a lot of money to make those changes, um, especially on a dime, right? Because they want to get that product out there so that they can out of the container so that they can sell it. And so they, they need to do that within a certain amount of time, which is also going to cost not only time, but money as well. Time, money. And, and, and then the big one to me is customer experience, right? So can you imagine if, if it was you who had brought that flooring home to install in your bedroom or whatever and couldn't because the instructions were for some different type of flooring? Uh, you wouldn't be yeah. happy. Yeah. Yeah, especially on that customer experience side as well. Yeah, I mean, that is that is a huge component. And um, supply chain, people are starting to understand that supply chain has, you know, a lot of impact on that customer experience. So that's a great point. But also, you know, it, 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 um, when you talk about those examples, you also want to know where that breakdown is. 
Yeah. Right. Like you yes. talked about the, the relationship between the shipper and the, the importer. It's not just about the importer. It's about the shipper. Yeah. What are they going through? How are they thinking about this? That's How right. can I communicate it better to them so they, they understand what I'm asking? And maybe we look at it and say, Oh, well, they just, you know, completely misunderstood instead of saying, okay, how can I communicate that a little bit better so that we don't have these issues? You know, yeah, and, all, and I'm glad you said that, Sarah, because we, we have diagnosed all those examples. And to your point, um, it was almost always an, in, you know, not an improper communication from the importer, but a communication that could have been much, much better. And so you read it from your perspective here in North America and you think it makes perfect sense. You know, hey, I've, I've dri- you know, I'm looking at it, but you also have to remember you're reading it in your native language. You've done it a hundred times yourself. You know what the challenges are on your end. But expecting the supplier to have all of that context and awareness is probably a bridge too far. So the question is, how do you bring that awareness and context to them? And again, with today's tool, tools, it's relatively easy to do. So in, the, in those examples, the solution was to, to take the same guides that they had produced, but embed a short video in each example of how it should be done properly, translate the instructions to native language, and then put a milestone in there asking the supplier to put media in before they loaded the container to make sure it was right. So fairly, you know, standard, simple technology changes the entire process because now the supplier is seeing it and they're reading it in their native language. And then just to make sure they're sending you a, a short video that they can, everybody's got a cell phone these days that they can take in their cell phone and embed it back on our platform before it ships so that the importer can make sure it's right. Absolutely. And there you have a more successful relationship, you know, less time consuming and less additional costs really at the end of the day. So I want to get back to your Mercado uh, model. Okay. Um, because we're seeing with these online platforms, you know, different ways of pricing, right. different ways of, of you know, uh, having the customer on board. And you chose a SaaS model. And for mm-hmm. everybody out there, you know, that means service, uh, sorry, what is, it's uh, sales as a service? No. Software as a service. Yeah. Software, as, Software a service. as a service. Thank you. I had a little bit of a. <laughs> a I just thought maybe a, you were testing me. <laughs> well, yes, I was testing you as well. Anyways, um, so a lot of people don't know what that means and they don't know why it would benefit them, right? Because right. we're so used to the traditional way of That's pricing right. yeah. and quoting and, and different things like that. So, why did you choose a SaaS model and does it benefit the customer and why? Yeah, and I think I can answer that pretty pretty succinctly because I've spent my entire career pricing things a different way before I built this business. And so I studied SaaS a lot before I got into it and continue to. I, I still am an active student of SaaS. And I think the easiest way that I could say why we chose SaaS is, in my opinion, it's it's by far the most democratic pricing and delivery model, meaning it's very accessible to every size of company, um, both in terms of its affordability and also its ease of use. So if you think about the traditional pricing model and you're trying to say, hey, this cost me $50,000, so therefore I need to charge you $100,000, you know, is your cost right? Is your markup right? Can somebody smaller afford something like that? When you do things on a recurring revenue basis, you can spread that cost out over time. And so therefore you can make it more affordable for people to access. So instead of $50,000 a year, you know, maybe it's... uh, $5,000 $5,000 a month or, or 4500 whatever that works out to. And then also in terms of um, ease of use, you're not having to sign up for OPEX if you're an importer, which is very difficult to get approved. 
And so it's much easier to consume an, a subscription, especially one where you can move in and out of it. No, no different really than in your personal life. You know, you don't usually go to a gym and then say, hey, I'm going to pay you uh, 20 grand for the life of this thing because that's what it costs me to run a gym. You say, no, I'm going to pay $39 a month or whatever type of gym you, you belong to. So to me, it kind of makes sense, but it, I also think it's the most democratic model out there um, for, for ease of use and adoption. Yeah. And I, I would definitely agree because, and you also know your costs ahead of time, which yeah. I think are, you know, any accounting department or financial controller is very, very happy about. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> so let's talk about, um, let's pivot for a second and talk about sort of your, maybe not your competition, but all the different types of platforms that are out there. Um, they're either out there, they're coming out and it can be really daunting um, for, you know, supply chain professionals, for shippers to really take a look and, and do a deep dive to see, you know, who's out there, who offers what, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, well, I, I would start by saying to me, it's an incredibly exciting time to be in supply chain for sure, uh, for the reasons you mentioned. So it can be daunting, but it's also super exciting that all these new options are becoming available. So your, your question is, you know, sort of, sort of how do you deal with that? And I would, I would start by saying that, um, you know, I've looked at a lot of markets and supply chain is arguably the largest market left in the world that hasn't already undergone this type of transformation. So it's, it's not like it's new. It's not new at all. It's just new to supply chain. And so a couple things I would say because of that, because we're late to the game, supply chain is late to the game, there's a late mover advantage. And what I mean by that is that the technology being deployed today is both advanced and it's also familiar because other people have already sort of broken through a lot of big hurdles to making it easy to use and also build in some just great functionality into it. So if you look at any of the applications coming out in supply chain, whether they're platforms like ours or others, and, and to your point, lots of great competitors out there, um, every one of them, from what I can see and the ones that I've looked at and the ones that I've purchased, they were built for the ground up um, for, for basically ease of use, ease of adoption and ease of integration. And then related to that, uh, taking it even a further step back to how long this is around in our personal lives, we've been using digital applications for years now. You know, you do everything digitally. You, you order your groceries digitally. You do your banking digitally. So anybody who's in business is quite familiar with all this new technology because they use it in their personal lives. And then they're also using it in other aspects of their business lives. So, so while it's new to supply chain, it's not new and it should be very familiar and it should be a really great uh, transition because you know how much value you get from it personally. Yeah. And do you think this is the future? I don't see them going away. I, I see that uh, the space is just going to be full of so much more innovation. And I agree with you. It's an exciting time. You know, look at it instead of taking a look at it from a perspective of, oh, I need to navigate through this and figure out who is right for us and who's not and, and what would benefit us the most. Look at or even get a technical, like somebody with a tech background on your supply yeah. chain team to navigate through this because they are going to bring the passion and the excitement to that exercise. Yeah, I, I, and you know, it's interesting you say is it the future. I, I would argue that it's it's not the future, it's the present. I, to, to my point earlier, we're, we're slightly behind the curve actually. And so uh, for sure, you've got to jump into it. And there's lots of ways to dip your toe into it without going whole hog. There's very specific functional applications that you can try. And there's small pieces of your business that you can carve out to try it so you're not disrupting anything. 
And then I, I think your other point is interesting. If you hire anybody, I would say under the age of 28, this isn't something they have to think about. This is just something that they've grown up with. I, I don't remember the age break for what they call digitally native, but all those, that generation just grew up with this stuff. So they're not going to look at it as, wow, I'm making this major transition. They're going to say, of course, we're going to do it this way. This is the way things are done. So I like your, your other perspective is if you don't feel comfortable dipping your toe into it or trying it in a specific area, uh, bringing somebody in who's completely comfortable and used to this type of environment is, is also a great idea. Absolutely. And it's, you know, and I, I have spoken about this on the show before. Take a look at your supply chain teams. Take a look at the future. Take a look at the present. Like you said, what we're navigating, what are the challenges? And, you know, think outside of the box when it comes to the talent and your teams. Yeah, that's right. Um, because, you know, you can pull from different areas, collaborate with your technology department, collaborate with your marketing department, you know, find different ways to utilize and work with some of the talent that you already have in your business that can bring a completely different perspective. Well, so I want to just talk about the future before we go. I know that you said that this is the present and I love that you said that um, because I think, you know, as I was saying, is this the future? I do agree with you. This is definitely the present and um, it's not going anywhere. But Let's find out what the future looks like for Mikado Labs. I mean, what's next for you guys? There's so many things that you're working on. Um, you've been able to let us know what you're currently doing, but I want people to be able to, you know, follow you and uh, have an idea of what they can expect from you in the future. Yeah, and uh, uh, thank you. For one last point on the future. Um, you know, the other thing I ask people when they're talking about digital is I say, because I mentioned that personal thing is, if you're uncertain about digital, let me ask you two questions. Are you willing to give up online banking to go back to check writing? And are you willing to give up your Amazon Prime account to go back to shopping at the mall? <laughs> so, so, so make the leap, jump on in. It's definitely the future and it's, and it's great. Um, in terms of what's next for Mercado Labs, you know, I, I jokingly say global domination just because that's the business that I'm in. But really what our entire platform is about Stage one is the technology and laying the foundation in place to make all these things that we're talking about much, much easier to do and much more possible to do. I've been, I've been doing this long enough that um, I've tried a couple of these things in the past and the technology just wasn't there and the affordability wasn't there. So now we, we're building this platform out uh, that gives it a really nice digital technology underpinning. And then our real goal is in this marketplace environment to continue to make it easier for, for trading ecosystems to work together. So if I'm an importer, I mentioned on average there's 10 suppliers and there's three providers. You know, we do business with one importer that's got 112 suppliers and they've got 16 providers. So we put the platform in place, but all of those people don't just need technology. They need a lot of other things related to international trade to make it easier. So they certainly need education. Um, there's a lot of people who, like me, I'm not sure your background, Sarah, but sort of fell into the business. Um, I, I was a construction worker, and then I uh, knew a guy who was working for an ocean carrier, and that's how I got in the business. And most people that I ask have similar stories. If you think about it, there's really not an educational forum specifically for importers. or There are some, but they're, they're not comprehensive. So we'd like to get more into education for sure. And then the other thing that we want to expand into over time is services and not in the traditional sense. We certainly don't want to compete with, with any of our uh, ecosystem partners, but there are things that we can do to make uh, the acquisition of services easier. 
my frustration personally in using uh, software, uh, and I've used plenty over my career, was that they could tell me that something went bump in the night, but then they couldn't help me resolve it easily. And so building that connectivity to the great service providers so that instead of having to you know, wait for the next day and uh-oh, who do I call and scrambling and how do I get this thing fixed? You go onto the platform and you click a button and you're connected to the right service provider who can resolve that problem instantly and already has a copy of your instructions embedded in the platform so they know what to do. So, so the future for me looks like build the digital base and then continue to build out the services that these ecosystems need to make their trading more efficient, um, less time consuming, more customer service focused and certainly less expensive. So, th- so that's what our vision looks like over time, um, Sarah, is, is to build out a, a really nice trading ecosystem for everybody who's involved in international trade. Great. Well, it sounds like you and I um, in the future might be able to, you know, collaborate on uh, ships as well, which would be very, very nice. We'd love to. So platforms as a business solution are definitely here to stay. But which one is right for you? Maybe there are several for different aspects of your business or your supply chain, and it will be up to the providers to collaborate and work together to provide you with a seamless end-to-end solution. Rob has given us a great overview of how they are stepping up the supply chain game and working for you to create efficiencies and shine lights into the dark corners of supply chain. For more information about Mercado Labs, visit us at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 58 or visit them directly at mercadolabs.com m-e-r-c-a-d-o-l-a-b-s.com thank you rob for coming on the show today thank you sarah If you liked this episode, be sure to check out my two-part technology series with Eric Johnson of JOC in Season 2, and that is in Episode 24 and 25. Next week, I am introducing you all to Audrey Ross and Leah Gould. Haas, and they are going to be joining me on my upcoming TV show on YouTube called The Trade Squad. This next episode, you are going to get to know these ladies so that you can understand what we're trying to create in this new TV show and what you're going to learn, what you're going to hear from, and where they started. Why should you listen to them? Why should you listen to us? Because we are going to be covering so many important hot topics in supply chain in a fun, witty, and debatable manner. Anyways, and what I mean by debatable, we are going to be debating the hot topics together in a roundtable type format. So make sure that you check out that episode and stay tuned. Go and subscribe to the SC Supply Chain TV on YouTube. So you'll be one of the first to know about this show. We're going to be releasing that at the end of April. If you want to support this show, the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast, rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, so other people can find us and I can feature you on an upcoming episode. Do you need any supply chain acronyms and definitions? Do you need a supply chain dictionary? Well, I have one for you. It's 107 pages. Go to letstalksupplychain.com. You will find this under shop. And remember to follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're not doing so, go and do that right now. 
because you're going to know about the Trade Squad TV show, plus everything else that I do. Listener's Corner on Wednesdays, Recap Tuesdays, a new blog on Thursdays, and on Fridays, it's going to be all about the videos. And lastly, go to ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z.com. That is for the technology platform that I am working on with my team. I am super excited to show it to you. We are in full development mode right now. So go to shipz.com, fill in your information, and you will be one of the first to know when we are ready to launch that as well. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. Have an amazing day. And remember, everybody, ship happens. <laughs>